Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. In such close proximity with people that you're actually more connected with people's skin rubbing back and forth on your arms than you are your own cell phone today. Picture yourself with a full home today. Maybe the fullest your home has ever been. Can you see that? Now picture them never leaving. Anyone getting claustrophobic yet? <laughs> now consider your land is not your own. You're under foreign occupation. The good news is the Roman government has given you some freedoms. Even though they are occupied, you on regular, your, your kids are out, they see the soldiers marching, they see swords, they see aggression at times. But you still have, they allow you to have your own internal government. So you have your own leaders and, and things. What's interesting is the Jewish people were honored by the, the Romans. Even though the Romans had conquered them, they still look at those who had the oldest history as something to be valued because their gods must have been very, very powerful. So by the Romans, they would actually look at the Jews with great history and say, these are really a great people, which then means for the Romans, you can bring in more gods, which then would mean more favor with the gods. This history had to do with promises made by God to his people, so if you think of your living in this land that I just kind of created for us to be thinking about, there's a promise of a Messiah rescuing them, freeing them, giving them their own land, free of occupation and threats of the outside world. The Messiah was to deliver them, and they were to rule the world. This little small group of people believed this. And this is what they understood. Everyone grew up of hearing about the Messiah and what the Messiah was going to do. They were hopeful. They were watchful. They were expectant, waiting for this time. And during this time, random, I'm going to put the quotation markers up here, of there were Messiahs that came before Jesus. And we see this with John the Baptist. The leaders came around him and said, so are you the one that was sent. Are you, are you the Messiah? Now, John the Baptist said no, but guess what? There were others who thought, yeah, I guess I'm a thing. I must be pretty great, so I must be the Messiah. So if you uh, have your Bibles still available, Acts chapter 5, 36 through 39. Some time ago, Theudas appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All of his followers were dispersed. And it all came to nothing. Verse 37. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go for their purpose or activity. If it's of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men you will only find yourselves fighting against God. 
This scripture is quoting a Pharisee, a Jewish leader by the name of Gamaliel. I had to practice that one. Gamaliel, how'd I do? A teacher of the law, he was directing all of the nervous leaders that kept hearing about this Jesus that had been resurrected. And they're nervous. What do we do? Do we just kill these people? Do, what do we do? And he comes with wisdom and says, listen, it's just going to go away. But if it is of God, you will literally be fighting against God. The birth of a movement is the climax of Scripture. This birth that we're talking about. The Bible is a culmination of writings from prophets of old to the New Testament apostles that Jesus appointed who are all following the one true God, the Elohim, the Yahweh, the great I Am. And everything from the time of old up to the point after points to the person, fully God, who is Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus. As we imagine being alive in this first century, the Messiah comes, but what were we told about the Messiah to do? It doesn't happen the way that these kids, that these Jewish kids grew up hearing about. You know, in, in this place of imagining, we're kind of just maybe, maybe you're picturing some things I've described but you still have your worldview of what you know of the world and you're connected to every place in a moment. These people at this time maybe knew a few cities in the area, but most of them, their world was just in a few kilometers around them. They heard the stories of old. They heard about this Messiah. And here they're coming to a time where this Messiah has come. So the question is, is there a bridge available to us? And in theological terms, theologians try and find a bridge to connect us now, present day and age, to centuries earlier. Is there a way that we can connect to a time of living so closely with others? A time where there's sharing going on, that there's a unity like had never been seen before. Honestly, I, I, don't, I don't think there really is. I, I don't think that, that we can actually imagine. I, I have a couple examples, but they're, I, I think they're kind of a poor example, but I'll, I'm, I'm going to just try and make a little bit of a bridge here. You know, unless you've gone to a third world country where you've tasted and smelled some of those things where there's not running water and power and, and you've really experienced some of those, but really you're in and out. You've seen it, but it's really not experiencing it fully. Could you go to that uh, first picture there? So in North Dakota, this um, is not near the place where I was raised. It was maybe 45 minutes away. And uh, the couple who owned this house, you can actually see the name, uh, Joe Nygaard. Maybe we have some Nygaards in here. I don't know. <clears throat> they, um, they passed away, and this was kind of a central home within all the farmsteads. The closest town is probably 45 minutes away. <laughs> and what would happen is, every day at a certain time, everyone would just come into the Nygaard's home. It was just the way that it was left. And someone would go and start the Folgers coffee. Guess who started the Folgers coffee? The first one there. 
And what would happen? All of a sudden, farm trucks are pulling up, and people are just sitting around tables, sitting on the floral furniture that was there, and they're just visiting. They're just finding a place to spend time together. I got to go here, and uh, my dad and I went hunting on um, somebody that went to our church on their land, and so when at a certain time of the day, they were like, hey, it's time to go. Like, well, where are we going? We're out in the middle of nowhere. Well, we're going to the Nygaard's home. Oh, well, you know, silly me. And you go into this place, and there's just people just sitting. What are they doing? They're staying connected. They're finding ways to be close in our culture. A second picture here, um, I've, there's a picture of a farm up there, if you could. So this was my family farm. It's near a place called Ham, Hamilton, uh, North Dakota. And you can't see on the bottom, there's a little car going in there. That was my aunt and uncle's home. The little home on the far right there, my grandparents' uh, house. I love spending the night there. It had these treacherous stairs that were about, you know, four inches thick. You guys know what I'm talking about. You just go up them, praying you don't slip down them. And, but this is where I grew up. You could see the little barn there that we had the chickens and different things like that and the Quonsets. And one day, so if you can see the, the little crossing part, I was a little kid standing on that gravel road and coming towards me. Could you go to the next picture? This isn't the exact picture, but I just want you to picture it. I'm standing on that gravel road looking as lines of combines are driving towards me. Lines, different colored combines. Some of you know, I mean, just kind of, the way the combines used to be, you know, bright blue and green and red and all these, and they're coming towards me. And I'm this young kid going, what's going on? What's happening? And I was told that somebody, one of the farmers had gotten ill and he wasn't able to harvest his grain. So what happened? The farmers all in the area got in their combine. They came, they just talked on the CBs. And some of you guys remember the CBs, you know? And, uh, you know, you had your name and all that. It was a blast. And they came down, and I got to picture this. I got to see it. I wish there was an actual picture of it. That's just a Google image I found. Of, as a kid, watching all of these things, and then the story behind it, knowing a community that rallies around somebody who couldn't do it on their own. And I believe that is what the New Testament church is all about. Now, we can look at this movement but trying to recreate that in today's age is, is just not really a thing. Unless we all want to buy a city block and all try and live on top of each other. I mean, anyone in? That's what I thought. God was doing something then, but we still see glimpses of things like this now. And I believe the New Testament church is something like what we did this week I mean, we don't try and have this much going on in every week, but we had a, a game night where we had a bunch of guys at my place this week. Like uh, I think Pastor Callie said, we had 45 people bowling together yesterday at Bolero in Brooklyn Park. It was a blast. We had the mom's mornings on Wednesday mornings, bringing their kids to be watching, spending some time together. We had life groups meeting in different places and in homes around our area just this week doing the best that we can to stay connected, to hold each other accountable, to grow in Christ. I believe that this is what we can do to strive to have a New Testament model. Trying to live and get closer in proximity. Now, a movement usually has a cycle. 
but its impact for a generation is monumental. Then after a movement takes place, the people who are a part of that movement try to kind of go back to, we need to go back to when, or let us repeat, let's repeat what God had started. All we need to do is that thing and play that the way that they did, or we need, we need to recreate it. And so people try and create a sequel, and we know that sequels aren't very good, are they, <laughs> a lot of times. How many of you are a part of the Jesus People movement? Okay, some of you are a bunch of hippies. <laughs> so for those of you who, who don't know, the, the Jesus People movement, I think it kind of really started in grassroots in the 60s, but it really took off in the 70s and, and 80s. And I have met so many people who came to Christ in their older age because of this movement. Those of you who experienced the Jesus People movement, I know that there were some things that went awry, like every movement. Anytime you got people and there's money and power, there's problems. But for those of you that experienced it, I want you to hold on to that. You got to experience something few generations have been able to see. At a chaotic time with the Vietnam War and, and peace, love, open sex and drugs as a, as a way of living, and the Jesus People movement came in during this time and people started gravitating towards God and got saved in powerful ways. Now, can we recreate that today? No. Jaina, she's like, yeah, I think we can. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> God uses certain places and certain times. It was the summer of uh, 1857, and there was a guy by the name of Jeremiah Lanfer. And he got saved at the age of 33. He's in New York City, and he just wanted to reach people for Jesus. And so Jeremiah, he would go to work, and then he would go into the streets of New York City and he would start evangelizing. And he would start evangelizing. And as he kept evangelizing, he kept realizing this is not working. So he went to the Lord and he started just pleading to God. And Jeremiah's like, Heavenly Father, I want to see lives change. What can I do? And, and it says that Jeremiah started to just feel a strong impression. And this is a lot of times how the Holy Spirit works with us. You know, even though we want this... Uh, definitive voice to come from heaven, Dale, go start a prayer meeting across the, you know, we want that, right? But what he says is, is I felt this impression as I prayed, and as I was thinking, it became a heavier and heavier burden, and so he made these little, these little hand cards about a prayer meeting on something called Fulton Street, and he started writing these out and inviting people to come. It was going to be for one hour, from 12 to 1 o'clock, and business people throughout New York City could come and pray. And so he handed them out after work. He took his time off, and he went there, and he waited, and it was 30 minutes past, and nobody showed up to his prayer meeting that he invited all these people to. And he bows down, and he's kneeling, and it was 33 minutes after 12, all of a sudden, the door, he heard it open, and somebody came and knelt next to him and began to pray. And by 1 o'clock, six people showed up in New York City. 
This began to happen, and he began to see growth, exponential growth. They had a bell that would go every five minutes when somebody started talking, because nobody could talk more than five minutes or pray for five minutes. There would be a bell. Nope, your time's up. Next person. All of a sudden, hundreds of people start pouring in to Fulton Street, because one 33-year-old guy wanted to see God move in New York City. All of a sudden, a collapse happened in New York City at this time. And people then really started to pour in. After a couple months, there were 10,000 people in New York City alone that began to pray. The city started shutting down. The fire stations, the police stations, every single church was filled because they could no longer fill in the third floor in Fulton Street any longer. Then, the news starts spreading around the country. People stop at 12 o'clock for prayer. Now, we know today, things start tweeting. We all know within five minutes. It starts to stretch across our country in 1857. And it says that there is over a million people that got saved from this movement. Doesn't that just get you excited? God still moves. And you know what? We cannot, we can do the best that we can. But we better not take a back seat to what he's doing. We better be ready and trust him because when he does something, we need to be there. And I want to, when we start praying for, for God to move and for things to happen and for momentum to happen, for people to get saved and to come and, and to just give their lives back to Christ, when a true revival comes like this situation on Fulton Street, one church cannot handle it. It's not about life assembly. It's about the big C. It's about church. It's about pointing people to God. You know, our church has helped people that are not from our city financially. Did you know that we have been a part of leading people to Christ? And you know what? In that process, we find a good church that's close to them. Why? Because we are looking at a big vision. It's not about us, just us. It's about the health of people getting into a, a place that we are going into the same direction. In Acts 2.37, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? In these meetings, the people would come. They would show up. What's, what are people going to? And they would be so stricken in their hearts, they would say, What must we do? People were getting saved in these 12 o'clock prayer meetings. Can we recreate that today? Maybe, maybe that's what the Lord's going to do, but I doubt it. God does new things to speak to a new generation and to a new group of people and draws all men and women onto himself. And we need to be a part of it. Again, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They ate together, and they did it often which my uh, treasurer told me how often we eat together sometimes. <clears throat> oh, they were new. We wanted to meet them. Yeah. God was in their midst, and miraculous things happened. There was unity. There was support amongst each other. 
It's not a surprise that in this closeness they grew numerically as well. The birth of a movement that we see in Acts is not a model that God has asked us to recreate, although there are beneficial parts of it that we can look at and go, are we doing this? I believe the model here is, I'm going to repeat this from in the very beginning, we need to trust God that he wants to do something. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to do something? Do not take a back seat. Yes, God's driving. But a lot of times when you're in a back seat, you just totally disconnect. You just, you're in your own little world. We need to be connected and as close to the front seat as possible. And when God shows up, we need to be ready. Church, we need to be ready. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no Acts chapter 2. Regardless of how amazing the apostles were that were around Jesus. Without God, there is no Jesus people movement. Without God, there is no prayer meeting on Fulton Street that changed millions of lives. I don't know about you, but I want us to be able to say the same things in our lives. Without God, there wouldn't be a life assembly. Without God, I would not be who I am today. Without God, my marriage would not exist. Without God, I would not be standing for it before you today because my life would be in ruin. Do you acknowledge what God has done in your life? Do you acknowledge the grace and mercy that has been poured upon you because we have a loving God who wants the best for us? I believe that God wants to do something. So, let's trust him. Let's be active. Let's be vigilant. And when he shows up, let's be ready. Amen? Now, in the coming weeks, we're looking in the New Testament. There are 22 gifts that they talk about from the Holy Spirit. Now, a guy named Dr. Crawford Loritis says, gifts and talents are always overrated. What is tragically underrated is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the, the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. It doesn't say that God is looking throughout this earth, looking for the ones with the biggest and the best gifts to offer. He is looking for the faithful. He is looking for the righteous, and that's what we need to be. So today, we have an amazing opportunity to send out six people going to India. I said this last week, I, I am really believing that we are going to see groups going on missions trips often. And it's going to be a norm. It should be a norm. Amen? So if uh, the six people who are um, coming, or going, I should say, to India, could you come stand right up front here? I want to thank the church who financially have helped and who have given in to this uh, mission that's happening. And um, I am very proud of each of you. Um, how many of you have never been on a missions trip before? Oh, my goodness. This is incredible. This is so powerful. So if you guys could introduce yourselves, um, and I'll, I'll start over here with uh, Mr. Fechner. You just introduced me. Yeah. 
What else do I need to say? Um, yeah, Paul Fechner. Angie Fechner. Jenny Kramer. Sue Meggers. Patsy Pearson. I'm Callie. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the process and what you guys have been doing? Yes. So um, we have been meeting. We've met probably close to 10 times as a team um, to plan things to do with the children that we'll be meeting and um, playing games with them and crafts. And so um, we've primarily been meeting to plan those lessons and those kind of stuff. Um, but you want to talk about what you're going to kind of what you're going to be doing? Yes. So um, every day we'll be going to a school and we'll be ministering to about 150 to 200 kids um, at close to every school. Um, so we'll be going to four or five different schools and then there'll be an evening that we are ministering to a group of 200 women. And then another evening we'll, we'll be with about about the same amount of young of youth, about like high school, middle school students. Um, and so part of what you guys have helped fund is that every one of the schools we will be also passing out a bag of food for these kids to take home with them. Um, and then we are also painting a part of the orphanage home um, and that was also helped funded by you guys because we as a church paid for the paint that we will be using to paint their building um, and then we also are providing transportation to get those groups of women and those youth to the church um, who might not otherwise be able to come and we don't know what backgrounds um, they're coming from or what situations these women and youth are in. So um, that's what we'll be doing for the most part. Awesome. Thank you. This is great. Well, <clears throat> uh, somebody by the name of Patty Laughlin, she couldn't be here today. She had a, a family thing going on. She decided to make some prayer cards for you, for us, for the church. Everybody's name is on here, a little specific prayer, and also just how we can pray for the group as well. And so I gave uh, some of our ushers cards. But if you would please stand up, if you would uh, kind of reach your hand towards the front. If there's some of you who feel like you'd like to come and lay hands on them as we pray, as we commission them, I want to invite you to come forward, to come lay hands on them. Yeah, come on up. Father, I am so excited for the faith that you've given each one here, that this is something that they felt that, Lord, they're, they're responding to your call. They're responding to this opportunity, and they're going. Lord, I, I just pray right now, if there's any anxiety, any fear, I just pray that you, right now, you take it from them, that you remove it, Lord, and you just give a supernatural outpouring of your spirit upon them. Lord, the same spirit that we're talking about in the book of Acts. Lord, for boldness, for strength to their bones. Lord, I pray for opportunities that they couldn't even imagine. 
Lord, I pray that your hands of protection, your angels will be over them, that you're guiding them from the food they put into their mouths, Lord, to just the safety in their travels. Be with them, oh God. Strengthen them. And Lord, uh, we as a body, we send them. We commission them to go. They are ours, but really they are yours. And we are sending them in your name. Thank you, Jesus. And the church said, amen and amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.